0: The Coldcast. On this episode of the Coldcast, we're going to be looking at Brexit and more specifically the possible significance it will have on Amsterdam. To get a deep dive into the possible ramifications, I'm delighted to have Dave Aston on today. Dave has extensive experience of building and growing successful consulting businesses across Europe. He has also delivered major change programs across Europe for large financial institutions and has managed a number of major projects in sometimes extremely difficult circumstances, delivering exceptional results nonetheless for a number of major companies. He's currently the CEO of Infinium Consulting. Infinium is an Amsterdam-based niche consulting business focused on the banking and finance industry, as well as innovation. So Dave, can you give us a small introduction to Amsterdam and the Netherlands as a place to work and how you got here, actually?
1: So uh, the Netherlands is a great place to work. Uh, I've been here since 2004, came over initially uh, as a... uh, as a project program manager uh, on a project with Abian Amro uh, and was also working with a large consultancy which uh, we then uh, we then grew uh, and I was part of that, that growth uh, phase. The, um, basically the city is, is, is beautiful. Um, it has fantastic infrastructure. It's got two distinct business districts. One is the Saudas and the other is the Belma. The Saudas is five minutes from Shehol and there's a thriving fintech scene uh, and all of this is about 45 minutes by, uh, by plane from London. So overall, it's a pretty attractive proposition uh, when considering uh, a, a location, both for your business and also post-Brexit. Hmm.
0: Uh, just a question, what is the advantage of being so close to London just, and so, such a quick trip? Does, how much does that help the Netherlands?
1: Well, you can work um, pretty much normally. Uh, so I, I get out of bed about uh, 4.30 in the morning. I can be in the office uh, in London uh, for 7.30, 8 o'clock uh, and get a full day in. And then I can return, be home by nine in the evening um, and actually, it has very little uh, disruption on your on, on your working life mm. uh, and, and and your home life balance. So, so overall, um, yeah, it, it's very positive. Uh, the time zone is uh, it's one hour different. It's uh, very minimal, mm. um, and uh, and the cultures are also quite close. So you can actually uh, transition between the two uh, two countries pretty sim- mm. seamlessly.
0: Um, what do you think the best things about Amsterdam as a place of work are?
1: So for me, I think it's the, the work-life balance. Um, it's able, you, can, you can cycle to work. You can spend the weekend on a boat. Um, you can be across the city now in 10 minutes with the new uh, north-south line, which is a fantastic new uh, metro uh, system. And um, the food is fantastic as well. I mean, there's a number of rest- restaurants, both in the business districts and in the city itself. And uh, one of my favourite ones actually to eat out in is the, uh, the Madame Restaurant, which is mm. in the Amsterdam Tower. That's opposite Central Station. And that uh, from there you can get a great view of the whole city uh, for for lunch
0: or for dinner. Yeah it is a beautiful looking city from there. Um, What is the quality of life like in the Netherlands just for people who haven't been here or people who would want to live here just thinking about it?
1: So the Netherlands is uh, well known for its uh, quality of life and actually been uh, internationally recognized with a number of awards. Um, In 2013 uh, UNICEF rated it the best place uh, in the world actually to bring up children. Um, So Most people will instantly say to you, yes, but what about the high taxes in the Netherlands? But in reality, if you're a highly skilled expat coming to the country, then there's always the possibility to apply for something known as the 30% ruling, Mm. which actually has the net effect of substantially reducing your tax burden for a number of years. So it's actually a great place to live and work.
0: Um, Do you want to explain the 30% ruling, just for experts, because as an expert, I don't really know about that? Yeah, so the 30% ruling uh, is a ruling uh,
1: uh, applied from the Dutch Tax Authority, which has the net result of reducing your overall tax burden down from the 52%, which everyone knows about, to uh, around 34%. It does vary per individual. Um, What that means is that you only get taxed on your income. Uh, You don't get taxed on your worldwide uh, wealth. Um, and that can last, I think it's now up to about a period of five years. It was 10, but now I think it's five years. So it, it is a substantial benefit, um, and it benefits the individual. Um, mm. So it's uh, it's definitely worth considering.
0: Mm. And you reckon, You said you recommend it for kids. Do you, do you think your kids have a good quality of life here? Do you think it's better than you would have had in most places?
1: Yeah, so I've, I've been fortunate to live in most places around the world and uh, we settled on the Netherlands mainly for the children. Um, the, the quality of life is fantastic. They cycle to school um, and um, they're, they're able to speak three languages. Uh, it really is uh, a great place.
0: Mm. Um, moving on, what do you think Brexit means for the financial markets in the Netherlands and just before that in as a whole?
1: So for Brexit um, overall, for, for the financial markets, it's obviously uh, been a bit of a shock. Uh, there is there's something called Passporting which is a European Union uh, rule which allows um, the um, UK companies or any company actually in Europe to sell services across border um, with the uh, uh, the loss of Passporting or with the U- UK leaving uh, the European Union uh, that means that those companies that are based in London um, are no longer able to, to passport their services into Europe for European clients um, as such that is driving the real uh, migration away from London to set up offices in the likes of Frankfurt, Paris, Dublin, and of course, uh, Amsterdam.
0: Mm.
1: Now, what does that mean? Well, as these new entities come into the Netherlands, uh, they're setting up um, bases here, so they can then service that client base. Um, You're seeing uh, organizations having to split their clients between uh, UK domiciled and EU domiciled clients. And you're seeing a number of the venues uh, come to the Netherlands uh, for execution purposes. So you're seeing certain hubs now spring up uh, in Amsterdam, who are focused on providing uh, execution services uh, for financial markets. Hmm.
0: Perfect. Do you mind uh, telling me about the Dutch environment, the bonus cap? That's uh, yeah. So, so the
1: bonus cap is something um, that was introduced after two thousand and eight by the European Union. Uh, the uh, standard rule was that one hundred percent. Uh, was the maximum amount of an individual salary that could be paid in bonus. So if you earn 100, you could only earn a maximum of 200. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has now uh, changed. Um, in the Netherlands, uh, they've uh, actually restricted it to 20%, which means you can only pay 20,000 on 100, uh, which has quite a dramatic effect on people's um, end pay.
0: Mm-hmm. Why do you think, do you think the but the bonus cap is a benefit to the Netherlands or do you think it will hinder it? What do you, What are your thoughts on the bonus cap overall? So
1: it's a controversial topic, um, to be honest with you. Um, I think what you're seeing is that the bonus cap is influencing who is coming to the Netherlands as a result of Brexit. So you're getting a lot of the large banks go to Frankfurt or Paris where the bonus cap is uh, at 100%. Uh, whereas in the Netherlands, you're seeing more of the venues, uh, the likes of CME uh, next um, LSE coming because these companies don't pay large bonuses mm-hmm. uh, and as such they're less I- impacted by the bonus cap. So it's just it, it's still positive for the country, but you're seeing a a different type of uh, entity uh, choose Amsterdam as their base location.
0: Okay, and what does this mean for the local regulators? Just uh in the netherlands and how to fix
1: them yeah so there's two regulators in the netherlands the dmb and the afm uh, the dmb has an overall oversight uh, role and is uh, basically the dutch central bank okay. uh, and the afm um, they, they look at the uh, financial market specifically um, what has happened is that there's uh, with all these new institutions coming into into the netherlands you're seeing a lot of new applications uh, for licenses mm-hmm. um, and what's called a dno uh, and, okay. and as a result of that, um, the AFM uh, has had to increase its budget by 10% this year just to cope with the new license mm-hmm. applications and to support uh, all these new institutions that are, that are coming into the country.
0: Hmm. Um, who Who's coming into the country at the moment and who's going out, if you don't mind me asking you that? So...
1: Um, going out, n- nobody, as far as I'm aware, not not many. Um, the Netherlands is seen as a, as a great destination post-Brexit. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming in, you're seeing uh, one or two banks. So the likes of West uh, have set up their business here, West Markets. You've seen uh, MFUF, MUFG, uh, which is the, the Japanese bank. Uh, one or two of, of the uh, other Japanese and Australian banks have uh, announced that they're going to come to Amsterdam. But the bulk of the uh, new entrants are focused around venues, um, and that is, the, 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 as I mentioned earlier, the likes of CBOE, uh, CME, NEX uh, and LSE. Uh, and these venues um, are basically going to be processing uh, the bulk of the uh, financial markets products um, uh, post-Brexit um, because that isn't allowed to be done anymore in, in the UK.
0: Okay, Wow. Um... What does this then mean for the future? What does the future then look like, depending on the various options, Brexit 2.0 and hard Brexit?
1: Yeah, so so we call it Brexit 2.0. We we think there's (laughs) going to be um, a a further uh, uptick in in companies considering Amsterdam. Uh, Numbers have uh, varied from 30 to 100 uh, financial institutions that are considering coming. Uh, We're seeing uh, a number of um, additional venues um, apply for licenses. We're seeing uh, a number of payment providers coming, as well as uh, small fintechs. Um, so I, I think that will carry on and continue. Um, and what we'll also see then is those that have already applied for licences now accelerating their um, hiring strategy and their um, plans to to build a a final, um, sorry, a, a robust entity um, in, in the Netherlands, um, ready for Brexit.
0: Hmm. Um, you touched on it earlier about the housing prices and office space. How what other factors are like these things are gonna in change or differ depending on Brexit.
1: So, in addition to the housing, uh, the housing prices, which we talked about already, um, what we're seeing is uh, an increase in demand for office space. Although there is a lot of building going on, especially in the Zaudas area, um, uh, we're seeing car park spaces increase. I was quoted about uh, ten and a half thousand euros the other day for an annual car parking space, mm-hmm. um, and you're seeing a real demand for specific skills such as compliance, risk, and finance, um, because the regulators are making it very clear that the entities that are set up have to have substance. And can't be what they call letterbox organisations. Um, I expect that to continue. Uh, I expect the demand for for staff to to remain high, um, and I think you'll probably also see quite a number of people looking to relocate uh, with, mm. with their with their jobs as they come across.
0: Do you mind explaining what a letterbox organisation is, just for people who are new to? Yeah,
1: so, so so a letterbox organisation is basically um, a, a paper thin organisation which has um, no substance. That's the mm. word that's used. So there's an organisation that you are um, you have a. a a, a, a banner on your door you mm. have a couple of staff at the front desk uh, but actually all the activities the trading etc all the risk management uh, finance and functional activities are done uh, in the in the base location mm. so actually yeah, it's very difficult <clears throat> to regulate because uh, all the activities are offshore and yet the responsibility uh, remains uh, in, in the Netherlands mm. so as such there has to be some sort of substance to the entities that the um, the DMB and the AFM can can oversee and have control of
0: okay well um Would you like to explain what happens if the UK decides after all this time to remain in the EU?
1: Yeah, so that's always also a possibility. Um, I think what we'll see is that London will remain a a hub uh, for finance uh, and for financial activity. Uh, It's a massive uh, location venue. It has a huge amount of expertise. It services not just Europe, but also the rest of the world, the US Mm -hmm. and and China. So I don't think London will, will collapse on itself. Um, but then that's if if the UK leaves. Now, if the UK decides to remain, um, I I think you may see some reversing of of activities. Certainly the venues uh, are are established so they can continue to to, uh, execute through the London hubs versus the European hubs. So you'll probably just see a switching uh, of volume. Um, But I think what you'll also see is that a number of the European uh, entities now are are looking to um, mitigate their risk so before they had everything based in London, now uh, there's more options for them uh, in, in Europe. They look to diversify their uh, their banking activities. Mm.
0: And do you think it's a good thing for companies that they more diversified, or do you think it's stretching their stretching themselves too far, especially with the yield curve inverting at the moment?
1: So it, it, yeah, so it's it's <laughs> pluses and minuses. Um, I, I think from a from a risk perspective, uh, obviously what's happened in the UK has been quite uh, quite shocking uh, and. Uh, you know the political uh, situation still remains quite volatile um, so anything could sort of happen there but with regards to, to banking and finance uh, synergies and efficiencies are gained by having everything in one place having uh, deep liquidity in specific markets um, and that, that's where you get the best bang for the buck um, that's why the US is so successful with New York um, it's why Europe has been success- so successful with, with with London basically so it doesn't really make a lot of sense to split um, but as I say, there's other factors at play here.
0: What do you think will be the end result of once, now that this flex extension has come in? What do you think? Where do you think it's going? Do you think we're going to go for 2.0? Will it be a hard Brexit in the end? What are yeah. your thoughts at the moment?
1: It's d- difficult to call. <laughs> I, I think what you'll see now is um, the flex extension doesn't really help anybody um, in business or in banking or finance because whereas before we had a hard uh, end date, now we have a very vague end date, although there is a date at the end of October which is hard, but there's also options uh, which could be uh, as early as the end of June, uh, in September um, or, or again in October. So it, it, it's a little bit unclear at the moment and as such um, we're just seeing uh, people continue to, to to execute their plans almost um, irrespective of the political situation now um, because the political situation constantly changes and it's almost impossible to plan against.
0: Mm. And do you want to just summarise what you said, just a little bit about what, can, what you think is going to happen, what's clear at the moment for financial institutions? So I think that
1: the, the short summary is that uh, Brexit at the moment, obviously, is, is looking like it's going to happen. Uh, but regardless, we're seeing um, financial organisations put their plans in motion to set up entities uh, in, the, in the Netherlands to then support the European client base. I think it's going to carry on um, that will carry on at least for the next six months. Um, and unless, of course, it was a second referendum and, and a decision to, to cancel Brexit. Um, but as far as I'm aware of this current position, I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, that's where it is.
0: Perfect. Uh, that's it for the latest episode of the Call Cross. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to Dave and I talk about Brexit and the replication for Amsterdam. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening. Bye now.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of The Callscast powered by The Database Media. If you are a creator and are interested in potentially joining the Database Media team, please feel free to DM us on Instagram, whether that is a video creator, podcast presenter, Photoshop editor, you name it. Is it something that I have not mentioned but is still relevant to media? Please feel free to still DM us at tdatabasemedia on Instagram. Thank you, and we look forward to hearing from you. The podcast
0: you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor
1: makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.